Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum, and today we are going to be doing part two of our season preview, looking at the Metro Division. Still feels like hockey is far away, but it really is not. It is now officially under a month away as we're recording. Uh, I believe it's about 28 days as we're recording actually right now, Uh, maybe 29. I can't even remember how many days. I think September is 31 days. Uh, It doesn't really matter though. Uh, Same as last time, same as every year, we're going to split this up into divisions. So we have the teams that have absolutely no chance. Uh, we have teams that are on the bubble, so you know, probably not trying to continue to rebuild. Might not be completely horrible, but we see them as definitely long shots for uh, competing for a playoff spot. We have wildcard teams, which are teams that are probably not going to be competing for the division title, but uh, could definitely, you know, on their higher peak, hit a wild card. Uh, and then we have teams that are going to be uh, top three-ish, kind of, you know, competing for uh, those top three spots. Uh, this will be an interesting one, I think. You know, last week, me and Chase had basically this exact same um, tiers, and I think one team was out of board. Like, we switched uh, the Panthers and Bruins around, and that was about it for our difference. But uh, this week, I think, could be a little different because this uh, this division's a bit of a mess, to put it lightly. Um, that's for sure. This division's such a shit show. I think you almost might be doing it wrong if you sit down with someone else and have the same picks as them. Yeah, like, I mean, don't watch me say that now we're into the exact same picks. Yeah, we'll have like the same picks. Uh, yeah, no, like it's there's so much open for debate. I think even in the tiers, there's enough open for debate here where it's like there's like four or five different teams where if someone wanted to argue with me that they were like two tiers below, I would not uh, disagree. And the other thing, I don't know about you, but my tiering system for this almost like the expectations had to be different where it's like true talent wise, if you compared it to the Atlantic, I would have no one in the top three for this division or maybe one team. But like. Yeah, I wouldn't have any of these teams in the top four in the Atlantic. Yeah, exactly. But, like, obviously we can't just have uh, no one in the top three because there will be three teams finishing in the top three of this division. So it's obviously graded on a bit of a scale here. But, yeah, it is kind of crazy just how aggressively mid-pack a lot of these teams look like they're going to be. Like, there's, like, six or seven teams where if you told me any of them finished in the wild card this year? I'd be like, yeah, that seems about right, or not that shocking, which is like kind of insane, you know? Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. This division is wild. But uh, let's get started. Um, one team, I, I only have one team in the bottom tier. Uh, do you have one or two? Uh, I have two, but I think they aren't even close together in terms of skill, if that makes sense. I just don't okay. see either of them in the playoffs. Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll start with my bottom team that I have eight coming in this division, a team that is very clearly trying to take a step back, and that's Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, I have the same. I don't know what would have to go right for the Columbus Blue Jackets to make the playoffs, but given how many teams are competitive in front of them, they could have almost everything go right and still miss by, like, 15 points. Yeah, I, I do think that even, like, like, this is, for me, an easy bottom team, but – like, I think this team is better than, for sure, Detroit and Buffalo on the other side. And then, like, like if they finished ahead of Ottawa on the standings, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, they, they actually remind me a lot of the Senators where, like, I don't think they'll be good. But I think they'll put up, like, a 49% XG or whatever at 5-on-5 five five and just kind of go down swinging every night. 
Yeah, I think, you know, you said what has to go right for them to make playoffs. Uh, Elvis and Corpusalo both have to be, like, the goalie people seem to think they are. Yeah, or just one of them needs to win a Vesna. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're, they're not – I don't know. Like, I don't mind either goalie. I think they're both fine. But, you know, sometimes I feel like if you ask people around the league, they're like, oh, yeah, this is, like, one of the best tandems. It's like, no, I, I don't think either of those guys have shown that. And then – up front, I think, you know, if they want to make, you know, even be close to the playoffs, they're going to need Patrick Line to score at a 40-goal clip kind of thing, you know, try and hit his potential. And then even then, you're probably going to need some big improvements from guys like Alexander Texier. Uh, Jacob Borchek's going to have to bring it back a couple of years. A healthy, a healthy Nyquist could be interesting. Um, you know, they, they have some pieces, but, yeah, it's definitely – a long shot, you know, maybe Emil Benstrom, uh, Benstrom can show something more this year, but uh, it's definitely a long shot where it's like this team just, they have some interesting, Liam Foodie's another one. They have some interesting names, but they really lack that high, high end talent. That's for sure. Yeah. They have absolutely none barring a massive line, a breakout. Yeah. Basically like, yeah, or, or some other younger guy. Like they have a couple younger forwards, but, yeah, I, I don't think they really have anyone who's primed to be, you know, anywhere close to even, like, like William Nylander is probably the best winger on this team or forward on this team, right? Like, Oh, yeah. Him and Bjorkstrand? Yeah. And Bjorkstrand, the problem with – well, not really a problem, but, like, in terms of this uh, context, the problem with Bjorkstrand is he's a very valuable winger because he drives play, but he doesn't really finish on it. Right. So, yeah, he's not exactly going to put up like a 40 goal season. No, his max point. I mean, he had 44 and 56 last year. So that'd be cool to see if he can replicate something like that, where he puts up like a 70 point, 80 point season. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This team, they're fine. Like this is a pretty reasonably good eighth place team, I would say. Um, But obviously that comes with the caveat that they're the eighth place team. Yes, I assume. I don't know this to be true for sure, but I assume they have the highest like uh, over under line of any team projected to come last in their division by a decent margin, but they're still pretty unequivocally projected to come last in their division for a reason. Yep, for sure. And, um, you know, I, I think, again, the, the goaltending will be interesting to see. Uh, both of them have one year left on their deal. Uh, we're both 27 which way they, and they, they um, uh, you know, which way they actually decide to go with it will be very, very interesting this year. Um, I, the defense, this is what I'm interested to keep an eye on. Obviously, Wierenski got the absolute bag this year. That doesn't kick it until next year. Uh, he's a great defenseman. I, I'm curious to see, you know, what they do with him, his, him on the right side now that Seth Jones is gone. But Adam Boquist is a name I really want to keep an eye on. And uh, Jake Bean as well, someone they picked up, and I think he'll actually get a shot. So I, I don't think this like this defense has the chance to be really bad, but uh, there's also some interesting names where I think they could be, you know, surprise you a little, maybe be a bit better than average, or at least at the very least fun to watch. Yeah, the decor will be basically the only thing that seems fun to watch about this team. I would assume so, like – because, like, you can say, oh, Line is fun or whatever because he can score, but compared to any other – like, every team in the league has someone like that. Like, if that's really all you're all you're looking at, the decor is really the go-to, especially because they're so young. Yeah, exactly. It, it kind of feels like, um, you know, their average age of this decor right now is 
Um, and their oldest one is Dean Cook and I and Scott Harrington, which are two guys who might not even be full-time on the line. Cook and probably will. Um, but, uh, you know, like this team, the other thing I want to keep an eye on with them is now that Tortorella has gone, uh, do they switch up the style they play or do they play that slow defensive style that, you know, they, they have in the past couple of years? Yeah, that's tough to know. I assume they'll keep up at least part of that identity, given the distinct lack of just offensive talent on this team. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. They still have $10.4 million in cap space, so uh, I don't think they're going to obviously add anyone, but like they, they definitely feel like a prime contender where come the deadline. Uh, if you, you know, we saw last year a couple teams like Toronto use that, a third team to get some cap space where you flip a guy, just pick up the cap space, and then uh, or eat the cap hit and then you know give them an asset. Feels like a prime team to do that and help a team out that needs some uh, cap space to make a move as the year goes on here. Yeah, exactly. And the deadline is kind of the perfect time for it because, from what I understand, they're at least relatively cash poor. Like they're not they're not dying to spend to the cap um, to field a team that's going to come dead last in its division. So you, when you do that at the deadline, you don't have to spend as much money either. Exactly. So. Um, I don't know. I, I like, I think this team took made the right decision by trading Seth Jones and uh, clearly going to take a step back, but that's all right. Um, you know, but this year, yeah, it probably is going to be a, a long year for Blue Jackets fans. But again, I, I wouldn't completely count them out just in terms of, um, you know, I, I don't think like I see they are much more likely to make a wild card run or at least be in contention at come the end of the year than like a Buffalo would be right. But um, you know, that says more about the other bad teams than I think it does them. Yeah, I think so. Adam uh, posted an article, Adam Lascaris, with the betting odds. Pinnacles aren't up at the moment, but apparently sportsbetting.ag has their lines up. And they actually have Columbus ahead of three three points ahead of Ottawa. Hmm. I, I wonder if that factors in division or not, too, because if it does, yeah. I can definitely see it. I would think it would. Yeah, so, like, if that is the case, like, Ottawa's got to go through minimum two of Florida, Tampa, Boston, Toronto. Yeah, oh, and Ottawa. Three, right? Ottawa's juice towards the over a slight bit, too, so. Yeah, so. Okay. Uh, that seems about there. reasonable. Like, yeah, I think if you. Yeah, you put Columbus in that Atlantic division. I think they're clearly better than Buffalo and Detroit, but, yeah, they're probably around Ottawa range. Oddly enough, Detroit's ahead of both of them. That's seems whack to me. I, I think people are, I mean, we talked about them last, I think people are biting way too far into the Nadalkovich thing. Yeah. And Detroit's uh, favored to the over as well. Might have, might have to go put some money into this, uh, this website, just about the Detroit under. Yeah. I mean, geez, like, I, again, we're, we're just, I don't, don't want to go back too much, but, but just like, who's playing defense for that team? Like, I, I just, I really don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because at least at least the Blue Jackets have six competent defensemen and one actually quite good one. Yeah, and like it's possible in Boquist that they have a second one really quick too. Yeah, because Bo- especially given um, a lot of times guys like Boquist get pushed down the lineup, so it takes forever to see if they're good. But there's really no one to hide them behind in Columbus, so there's a chance if he's really good, we find out like ten games into the season. Exactly. So. Um, all right, that's enough on Columbus, I think. Uh, I'm going to assume this is the second team. So you you give me the second team yet in this tier. I'm going to assume it's the one I have, the lone team in the long shot tier. But uh, go ahead here. Yeah, I think they're – I assume this is going to be the same team. 
I believe they're distinctly better than Columbus, but just given the depth this division have, I still have them as like aggressively on the outside looking in New Jersey Devils. Yeah, that's who I have as well. Um, I just, given the money they splashed around, I thought it was fair to take them out of that bottom, bottom tier. But yeah, it's, they still have some work to do, I think, before they're really competing for the top three spot, unless something goes really wrong for other teams and really right for them. Yeah, hundred percent. That's uh, this seems like the year they they finished like four points out of the playoffs and like things start looking up, kind of thing. Yeah, or um, six points out of the playoffs or whatever. Like, but they are actually like in the hunt, albeit highly unlikely to make it the entire time. But it's still a huge step forward from picking like fourth overall or whatever they did last year. Yeah, yeah. They did like I'm looking at this roster. They did add a lot of talent. Like yeah, in every they, position yeah. group too, they got one of the best people right. on the market. I would argue. Obviously, they get the number one defenseman, Dougie Hamilton. You can debate whether that contract was smart to sign to them, given the long term effects. But right now, that is going to make a massive difference, right? Having Dougie Hamilton on your blue line suddenly means Severson can be your second pair. They picked up Ryan Graves, so you can play a, a Graves, Hamilton, Ty Smith, Severson. Uh, and then Subban can be on your third pair with like Siegenthaler or whatever. Um, suddenly that looks like not a horrible defense core. Um, up front, they picked up Thomas Tatar, which again, I, I think really is going to go under the radar at 4.5. Like he's been one third of one of the best possession lines at five on five. And even just like goals for and against uh, five on five over the past two or three years in Montreal there. Like that's going to go a long way, I think, to helping Hichier or um, uh, Hughes, whoever yeah. he plays with at center. Like, I think that's going to give them a legit another option. So now you can run something like any combo of Tatar, Hichier, Hughes, Bratt, uh, Miles Wood. Um, you know, you got Jesper Boquist, uh, Andreas Janssen there. Like, you, you got an okay top nine forming where it's like, I, I think they definitely still lack the high-end talent up front. Like, it's, it's definitely fair that you have to hope Jack Hughes turns into that because they lack a, a real difference maker up front. But um, I, I'm really starting to like that, you know, just the kind of depth of they don't they're not icing too many bad players anymore, which has been the biggest difference, I think, over the past couple of years. That is very true. And like for what it's worth, the list of players who aren't star, like if you sorted a list of players who aren't superstar forwards, but could be at the end of the season and you sorted by most likely to make that jump. Jack Hughes is probably the most likely in the entire league to make that jump. Yes. Yeah, he's got to be up there in the top two or three, right? Like, yeah, like just excellent micro stats, amazing play driving numbers. He even scored points at like a decent clip last year. Like, if we're looking back and we're saying, okay, now the Devils have their legit like point per game play driving centerman, suddenly everything looks so much rosier for them. And I hope Jack Hughes does that. Yeah. And then on a one year sample, too, or, you know, if we're looking at just this year, too. Uh, like, I don't mind what they did in net. They added Jonathan Bernier, who's quietly been one of the better goalie, like, uh, not, like, unreal or anything like that, but, you know, just, like, a solid goalie and behind a horrible team in Detroit for the past couple of years. I think that's good uh, uh, insurance for, uh, you know, if Blackwood struggles. Yeah, he seems like a guy who can play, what, like, 35 games behind Blackwoods. So you don't really have to run the young guy into the ground. 
this gets overblown sometimes, but he's a guy who's been there, done that for absolutely forever. He was also a highly touted prospect back in the day, kind of like Blackwood was. Seems like a good guy that Blackwood could learn behind. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I really like that addition too, where I think they give some two legit options in net um, if one's not going. So yeah, I, I like this team. I, I uh, Again, I think they kind of suffer from um, their division is just so combined, but I think that actually could be an advantage for them this year too. And that, uh, you know, like all it's going to take is one, one or two teams, like if Pittsburgh or Washington, if that age curve finally catches up with them, it's not unreasonable to say New Jersey staring at fourth in this division or something. If some stuff breaks their way, right? Like it's not, obviously we have them at seventh for a reason. It's not a guarantee by any means, but I really like what they did this off off season, just in terms of amassing talent, because, you know, they got to start getting better here at some point. Yeah, that's true. And the problem why I have them in this Columbus tier is because they have to leapfrog three of the teams in front of them, assuming Florida's good and Boston and Toronto. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to make the wild card. I, I, that's why I had them in just that neutral little tier where it's, uh, you know, kind of a bubble team where it's like they definitely have an outside shot. But yeah, the, the when we're looking at a wild card, I think it's really – um, a tough start for a lot of these Metro teams, knowing that they're one of the wild cards automatically are probably going to be taken by the Atlantic. Yeah. At which point these big six that you have to beat out two of the other teams and New Jersey. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. So like it's uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Okay. It's definitely, I, I wouldn't predict them to make the playoffs or anything like that. But um, I, again, I, I definitely think that it's uh an encouraging step forward for them this year. And I think for the first time in a while, they could be legitimately at least like competitive where they're, they're in a lot of the games, right. It might just be luck that determines, you know, how high or low they are in the standings. That's true. Here's one. Would you rather going into this year, like uh, just a point total bet or something like that? Would you rather have New Jersey or Montreal? Mm, That is a good one. Uh, it shouldn't be a good one, given that one of these teams, the New Jersey <laughs> yeah. Devils, and the other made the Cup Finals. But I think it I, is. I think I go Montreal still, um, mostly because they still have you know guys like Gallagher who have proven that they are a top line player. Where New Jersey, there's still some projection going forward of how these guys will fit. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. And like Montreal has their upside guys too, with like Caulfield and Suzuki. So I think Montreal is the right answer, but. I, I at least thought about New Jersey. Yeah, like I don't think like if someone wanted to argue New Jersey, I think you could at least make a case. But yeah, I, I would personally take Montreal. Yeah, especially accounting for the division. That could be another nice edge New Jersey has. And if you're big on Jack Hughes, but yeah, I could exactly. see that, by the way. Yeah. Um, all right. Into the next year. Did you have anyone in the uh, long shot tier then? Uh no. Okay, so we are all even up going into the wild card tier. How many teams did you have here? Six. Oh, all right. So I, I didn't mind the other way where I had four that I think might distinctively be looking for the top three, and then two where I see them more as wild card, if anything. But um, I could hear an argument for any of these six teams winning the division, if I'm honest. That's kind of where I came at it. I put six here just because. Like, obviously, somebody is going to win the division, and a couple of these teams are more likely to than the rest. 
but all of these teams are so mediocre that none of it would shock me. Like this six in any order, I would just nod my head and be like, yeah, that checks out. Even if it's literally the complete opposite order I'm about to say, I wouldn't be even remotely shocked. But like if Florida won the Atlantic with Tampa in last, I would, and like Toronto or third last, Boston second or whatever, I'd be really surprised. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think that's fair. Uh, all right, who do you have at six then? At six, I have actually, now that we're saying this, somebody I think you might have at six too. I have Philly. I also have Philly. Okay, I wondered if you'd go Pittsburgh given their injuries, but Philly's, Philly's here for me. Yeah, I bump Pittsburgh and Washington down a little, maybe in terms of what I would, or oh, definitely Pittsburgh because of their injuries, in terms of what I liked at their peak. But I, I still, I don't know. I really didn't like Philly's offseason. Ryan Ellis is awesome, and maybe I'm understating that addition a little bit. But even Ryan Ellis last year didn't look as good. So you got to hope that at age 30, that was just an off year and not what he's becoming. And they're going to actively give Rasmus versus the line in top four minutes. And I just don't like, they were a horrible team defensively last year. And I think if your solution is give Rasmus versus the line in a ton of minutes, I, I really don't know what your uh, long-term future outlook there is. Yeah, that's a problem because they got better in some ways, but so much worse in others that they're a tough team to be high on. Although yeah. they, they weren't like a train wreck despite absolute dog shit goaltending, which is a compliment. Yeah, like I, I, I am kind of on the, the train of there's no way Carter Hart is the worst goalie in the league again this year. Yeah. I'm but sure like, even if he's league average, it wouldn't shock me, which is difficult to say about a guy who was literally the worst starter in the league last year. Yeah, but what does scare me is if he is close to that, well, their backup plan is Martin Jones. Yep. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, they decided <laughs> what if we got, like, I guess they saw Jake Allen and were like, what if we just get a terrible starter and put him as our backup and hope it works out? Yeah, like, I I don't know. So, yeah, like, they really, this season, and again, we say this about every team is obviously riding on goaltending, but this team, especially given what we know from last year, is definitely riding on goaltending. But, again, like, I think a reason that I'm just kind of lower on them in general is, we keep talking about Pittsburgh and Washington. When are they going to take a step back because of age? It's not like this team is super young anymore either. Yeah, Giroux is just as close to the cliff as Sid, basically. Or yeah, Rocket. and like even Davey is 32, yep. Kevin Hayes is 29, Cam Atkinson, who they just traded for, is 32. Granted, Voracek was 34, I want to say, so they got two years younger there. But even Konechny is 24, Couturier is 28, so they're at their, you know, like their peaks. Um, they obviously re-signed Joel Farabee to a uh, uh, six-year, five million per deal. Uh, we haven't talked about that. I want to get your opinion on that uh, real quick too. Um, do, do you like that deal? Not like it? Uh, what were your opinions on that? Um, I didn't love it, but like it's definitely not a bad deal. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I think it's I, I like it. I, I think it's. Um, it was obviously the exact same or very, very, very close to the deal that Drake Batherson signed. He signed it about a it week before. I like the Batherson deal more, though. Yeah. Um, the, the reason I think I, I like the Fairby one just as much is because he's also two years younger and has the exact same production that Batherson had in his plus two years. So. Okay. Yeah, that is true. He just doesn't drive and play as well, but Batherson is two years older, which is a lot at that age. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's why I think it's. You know, he's shown that he has the goal scoring ability. He just needs to learn how to try to play a little better. And 
you know, I, I think that is something that you can bet on as guys get in their 22, 23, 24 years to improve. So I, I like the, I don't mind the uh, bet at all. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely like a projection. It's not like you're signing the William Nylander contract where you're like, oh, if he doesn't get any better, this is still like a, a good deal. Like you need Fabry to, I think you need him to improve for this to be like, oh yeah, we're really happy about this contract, but he is 21. So him improving would make a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. And like, even if he puts up, like he had 38 points in 55 games last year, that's not bad at all. So even if he puts on that pace and it's just, you know, a little more responsible defensively at the very worst, I think you're like, well, it's $5 million. Like that's about fair price for what we're, you know, getting out of this. Yeah. And honestly, like most of the time people just, people get upset at nerds for hating every contract the players over 30, which is the smart thing to do because contracts, long-term contracts to players over 30 sucks. But if we're going to spend most of our time dumping on teams for paying for past production rather than future production, it's hard to really turn around and get mad at because this is definitely paying for future production, which is great process, whether it works out or not. Yeah. And future future production with evidence that it's there, right? Like that's the thing. It's it's not like they're, yeah, it's not like they're paying a dude who is 23 and like, like Sam Bennett, I think is maybe one that we could dump on for future production where it's like, Hey, you saw 12 good games and then three years of him not being good. You know, don't pay for a future production based off a 12 game sample or whatever. It's like, there's a full year here where it's like, it's evident this guy can score at the NHL. So now you're just hoping that it improves more than that. And he was really good in in junior as well. So. Yeah. And he's got like the first round pick a great junior for like, he does have everything you would like to see for a guy who gets a lot better going forward. Exactly. So um, yeah, I thought that was reasonable, but yeah, going back to Philly, why I have them six, just, between Carter, even if Carter Hart is a little bit better, that's still very bad. You know, I, I do think if he's like the 12th or 15th best goalie this year, it wouldn't shock me either. But like, even if like if he's like the 26th best goalie, this team's in a lot of trouble, right? Like, yeah, because it's one of those things, goalies are pretty weird, but like the bad one, the absolute worst one staying bad is bank is at least more bankable than like an average goalie staying average. And that would concern me pretty deeply. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Uh, let's go to five. Uh, who do you have at, at fifth in this division? Uh, this one kind of pains me to do because I love this team, but uh, I have the Penguins. Interesting. So I have a couple spots higher. Uh, I have them up at three still, but I definitely can see an argument them dropping off given who they're missing to start this season. Yeah, because that's the thing. True talent. I don't see a way you could have this team outside of the top three, assuming health, because they still do have the high-end guys. And it's one of those things. I'm just going to keep betting on Sid until he gives us a reason not to, which he has yet to do. But in a tight division where the early season, like every game is going to matter, like no Sid, no Malkin to start the season. Like one C Jeff Carter with not much talent at wings. It's going to be tough. Yeah, they really have to hope that uh, one of one slash both of those guys get back in a reasonable amount of time, and they can just kind of keep their head above water until they get back. Like, yeah, and they need to ensure that when they come back, they are themselves, which 
if there's two guys who know how to come back from injury, it's Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, who spent like half their careers injured at some form or another. But they are like 34 and 35 now. And Malkin's the big one. I'm not really worried at all about Crosby, to be honest. And maybe I should be because he's 34 years old, but like it's a wrist surgery where I feel like yeah, that's just going to hamper him. Yeah, whereas Malkin, like there's a chance Malkin's body's just because he's not Evgeny Malkin anymore. Yeah, and like we didn't, neither of us had him on our top 20 list. And I know someone pointed that out, you know, just like last year when he did get to play, he was still a god on a power play, but he couldn't do squat at five on five. Yeah, he struggled at evens, which if he's not healthy again, is going to be a very big issue because that takes them from a team with mostly just two centers to a team with mostly just one center. And as good as Sid is, like we've seen Pete McDavid fail without a team around him in this in today's NHL, never mind 34-year-old Sid. Yeah, and I mean, just like, I'm just looking at his RPM over the past couple of years. So last year, he was brutal in about 450 minutes. Two years ago, in about 850 minutes, he was absolutely dominant offensively uh, at five on five. And then three years ago, he was just kind of fine in about a thousand minutes. But like, again, like it's just been such a lack of playing time for him over the past three years where it's it's just kind of scary to project that forward for a 35-year-old. Yeah, lack of like just constant injuries. The age is getting up there. He plays that like really aggressive like bowl in a china shop game too, which doesn't help either. Like there's a lot of red flags there with Malkin. And that's concerning for a team that even if he's there, isn't like a slam dunk playoff team, never mind if he's not. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I have them third just because this team, not really on paper, they absolutely probably should be a little lower, but for whatever reason, this stupid team just seems to hang around even when these guys are out. Like they do find a way somehow. Yeah, like Jake Gensel just randomly score like 12 goals in four games for no goddamn reason or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, they are really good at just like scratching and clawing and staying afloat while the top guys are out. Yeah, and like, so like even if, like if you want to tell me I'm, I'm stupid for that, that's fine. But like, it's kind of the thing where it's like, I just need to see it once to believe it kind of thing with Pittsburgh before I really start bumping them down these lineups. So and I just don't love the other two teams I have behind them anyway. So that's why I have them at third personally. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable because there's no reason to love, honestly, any of these teams, I don't think. No, there's like obvious flaws. In I think the top two, given just like if we're projecting age and stuff now, I feel at least more confident in. But like every one of these teams has legitimate question marks and flaws, even like the team I have won in this division I could see them being absolutely horrible if so that the one big thing that I'm questioning goes wrong. But um, yeah, the, I had uh, personally I had the Rangers in fifth. This might be a little low, but I I just don't can't bring myself to like this team. I like four pieces about this team. I love four pieces about this team basically, and I hate the rest of it. Yeah, that's fair. And for what it's worth, the Adam Lascaris over under from sports betting article. I referenced earlier, they do have the Rangers as the fifth best team in this division. And I think if they would have just stayed the course this offseason, I probably would have had them at like three or so. 
But the fact that Tom, Tom Wilson just ruined the franchise and they went up and picked up Ryan Reeves. Uh, they signed, who was the big goon that they signed for one year? Um, they signed Anthony Bieto, which Jared Tenorti is who I was thinking. Like these aren't yeah. NHL level defensemen. Yeah. And they don't exactly have like Adam Fox is great. And Trub has been good since he's got there. But this isn't like the Nashville Predators top four where you can get away with just having a at like the peak Nashville Predators top four where you can get away with having a complete joke on your third pair. Yeah, it's so, Adam Fox and the guys. Like Lindgren yeah. has put really good results up with Adam Fox. But yeah, like Truba has been fine, but not worth eight million. And Andre Miller really hasn't been that good, unfortunately, either. Yeah, like the they don't have the defense core to have a Tom Wilson meltdown. Like they need to focus on themselves. Yeah. And like the reason I'm, I feel like a little worried. I'm a little too low is because I do like their goaltending. Uh, we haven't got to see Shesterkin in long stretches yet, but any, every time we have seen him, he's looked really good. So like, I, I think that is an advantage that they might be able to have. And they, they play the system where I really like where it's, they have two guys, you know, Gorgiev's all right as well. So it's not like you're putting all your eggs in one basket, uh, like Philly with Carter Hart. Right. Um, so I, I like their goaltending. And then I also really like, uh, the chances that Lafreniere and maybe even Kako take another step forward this year, which I, I think is, could propel this team, um, a, a little further for sure. But I don't know, man, like, I just, yeah. So it looks like we, we have goal. Philly or we have the Rangers and Penguins flipped. So I have them three. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, like, again, like I, I, if, you tell me that, especially in this division, if Lafreniere takes a step forward and becomes a legit, like, 60, 70-point guy, um, and, you know, you can play, or they even just drives his own, it's like a second line to where they're not getting absolutely crushed, so you have two lines that are running at, uh, you know, like, good good pace or whatever. Like, I, I could definitely see, and their goaltending is just solid. Like, I could definitely see this team finishing third in the division. I just, again, it, it's almost a, I got to wait to see it before I can actually do it because – I feel like in this division, for sure, we've been burned so many times uh, trying to project forward at times. Trying to project teams to finally beat out Pittsburgh and Washington. That's true. And as much as I hate, like, from an on-ice perspective, I think their offseason was horrific. I think it showed a distinct lack of vision from the front office, and it would really concern me. But given the age of some of their important players and their new head coach, I really like Gerard Gallant. I think this team has a lot of upside. That's true. I, I kind of forgot that they hired Galan. I, I do really like that hiring as well. Yeah, like if it's just a, sh- a shame, right? Because if they would have went into this offseason instead of adding Ryan Reeves, added Thomas Tatar and yeah, Tatar instead of Barkley Goodrow or something like that. And yeah, Ryan. exactly. And then like on the back end, I don't know, even like a David Savard or something like that. And he would have been more expensive. I'm trying to think of um, defensemen that signed contracts and free agency this year. Yeah, well, if they needed to get tough, sign Zach Bogosian for like 1.8 million then. Yeah. Or like, yeah, I, like, I, I just don't, I really don't understand it at all. Like it's the same thing. Like, I'm just looking through some of the defensemen that have signed, like sign Jordy Ben to a one year. Like he signed one year, 900 K in Minnesota. That seems like such a better investment than Jared Tenorti. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, or blow uh, Tampa Bay's Zach Bogosian off out of the water, or like 
functional toughness on the blue line, if you're assuming you're only looking for a third pairing guy, which is clearly what they were looking for, should not be difficult to find. No, like, it's just like, yeah. And like, I think they could have even made a case where it's like, they could have gone spend some money to get like a second pairing guy to help bump people down too. Right. Like, yep. I just, I don't know. It's uh, disappointing to say the least. I do think that, yeah, they have the potential to be better than we, um, you know, like the, the, they could absolutely make the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised this year, but yeah, I, I continue to just be lower. I think than generally speaking, most people are on this team because I hated their off season and just, yeah, I, I'm really worried about the long-term outlook of this team. That's for sure. Yeah. The long, long-term lack of vision scares me. And what's going to be even funnier is if they make the playoffs, say they even come like second into the division and then double down on their dog shit off season next year because they made the playoffs. And they think that's the reason why not Panarin putting up a hundred points, Fox being a top three defenseman and uh, guys like Kreider and Zabanejad ad scoring a ton of points. Yeah. 100%. It's like, we made it because of toughness. It's like, no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't stop. Yeah. And there one thing I liked when I said about the upside, like given Washington's age, like for things to go well for Washington, I don't really see them as a serious contender because it's unlikely to me that a whole bunch of like 33 year olds get way better. But New York actually does have that upside. Yeah. Like with, especially with Lafreniere and Kako. And even like maybe, you know, like I, I am willing to hear the argument you can't underestimate how fucking shit Dan Quinn was for this team. Yes. That's the other thing that given how much the fans hated him. And even if we assume he's league average and there's only like five coaches that make a difference, Gerard Glenn is one of those five or so. Yeah. So like alone with, uh, you know, Kako and Lafreniere, if Cheadle and Kratzoff actually become like good third liners, which, you know, is probably lower than what some people projected them as, but like, even if they become good third liners, yeah. Suddenly this forward core at least looks a lot more deep. Yeah, exactly. Even if the, even if they top out being used as that like Tampa third line that was really kind of a second line, but it was just like really good but not elite, that'd be huge for them. Yeah, exactly. Because then you could run Panarin, Kreider, Zavanajed, uh, Strom, Lafreniere, and Kako in your top six, and then your third line could be like a Goudreau, Chaitel, um, uh, Kratzov line, and then you have like Gauthier. Uh, I guess Sammy Blaze and like Kevin Rooney as your fourth line, which kind of ass, but <laughs> it's your fourth line. Yeah. If your th- three lines are that good, it, it wouldn't matter as much. So yeah, I definitely think that the upside is higher, but I think the floor is a lot lower than the team. I think we're both about to have at number four here in Washington, right? I'm uh, I'm Washington too. Ooh, I don't like Washington okay. at all, but I have them too. Interesting. I, I have them four, and maybe I'm just buying too much into the New York Islanders playoff success a little bit. Like, but I have I, the Islanders too, and that's mostly just because I don't really see the Islanders dropping off a cliff under uh, Barry Trotz. I have the Islanders one. <laughs> oh shit! So you you Carolina four? Yeah. Oh, all right. This is going to lead to some interesting conversation then. Um, I hated the off season. I did too, but like their team is still talented. Yes, and if Svech breaks out, I think I'm going to look very stupid for this. 
the only reason I think you can have Carolina four is if you just absolutely chalk up Ranta and Anderson to being cooked or injured all the time, which is the most unreasonable (laughs) thing in the world. But I can't believe one of the smartest teams in the league is going into a year in which they plan on contending with that as their tandem. Yeah. Like I, like, I, again, I think cheaper than Freddie. Yeah, I know. Like that, that's the thing. It's like, I, I think people are maybe overrating how good Nadalkovich is, you know, in Detroit here, but like he would have been a better option than either of these two, especially at $3.5 million. Yeah, exactly. Cause like, Nedeljkovic likely would have been a downgrade on Nedeljkovic. Like he almost certainly wasn't going to repeat that, but Freddie Anderson sure as hell is not going to repeat that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so, all right, let's, yeah, let's just get in on that. I have them one, to be honest. I, I still think this is by far the best roster in this division. And I don't even think it's close. It's, the goaltending that absolutely does scare me, but I'm also willing to bet that goaltending is so damn random that one of these guys could very well be league average, and that's all this team, this roster needs. Yeah, that's fair. They just have the cluster where the the one of the two of them that's league average needs to be healthy. Yes, and it is, uh, but like, and so I think it's interesting because obviously neither of them really stay healthy. But if Anti Ranta is the one that stays healthy he could be above league average for all we know. Like he, every time he can stay healthy, he looks amazing. But even let's say, yeah, including injuries, they just get like nine, 10 goaltending or whatever. This roster to me is, especially the forwards are head and above better than everyone else in this division. I don't think it matters. I think this they have offseason, the best forwards in the, in the division for sure. Yes. And, and I think losing Dougie Hamilton will uh, impact this team more than even like some stats people are predicting at the same time. I don't think it matters because this division is so just mediocre. Like I think if this, if it makes sense, this team really shot themselves in the foot and completely took away their contender status. But in terms of the division, I think they are still absolutely top of the division. They definitely have the best group of skaters in the division or uh, forwards specifically. I think losing Dougie Hamilton for Tony D is going to really hurt that decor, especially because I'm slightly lower on Slavin than everyone else. It looks like Gardner is not playing. Uh, I don't really care for Brady Shea, although he's fine. Uh, Brett Pesci is also fine, but like, I think the trickle down effect of losing Hamilton is huge too. Yes. And Hamilton is going to mass or definitely mass some stuff there where it's like, yeah, it definitely doesn't sound as nice when you go like when you had Slavin Hamilton, and then you could go uh, Pesci and then Shea and then whoever on your third pair. Where it's like now you're gonna have to probably go. I'd assume Slavin Pesci and then D'Angelo Shea. Although maybe D'Angelo's on that first pair if you want offense mixed with defense instead. Um, Ethan Bear's another wild card where. If he can step up and be a second pair defenseman, that would be huge as well. But even just a good third pair defenseman, him and Ian Cole should be a really solid third pair. But I, I don't know. Like the, to me, the forward group, and and we'll get into Cockney here in a second because we haven't looked at it from their uh, side of things. But um, their forward group, it's, yeah, even with Svechikov not breaking out, but I think it's a good enough bet that he would. Like we, we were talking about Jack Hughes earlier about uh, breakout candidate. Like to me, again, Svechikov, 
I'm betting on this for a second year in a row where I think he really could take that next step to like stardom. And then you have him, Sebastian Aho, Tara Vinen's unreal. Nino Nita Ryder, Trocek is really good. Uh, Cognani is going to be playing the wing. Nikash is really good. I like uh, Josh Levo has some depth. Jesper Fast, Derek Stepan. Like you're going to have a bunch of options for their fourth line as well, which is the right way to go about a fourth line. I think I, I just, to me, in the regular season, this roster is going to be good enough, I think, to mask a lot of flaws. Yeah, and it's going to have to be. Like, they're going to have to be like a 56% XG team again, given their goaltending, almost certainly. Yes. and But, like, I just, in this division, I think they will be. Yeah, they, they legitimately might be. And their power play doesn't really scare me still. Even though, like, Tony D'Angelo is legitimately good there, but... That's still not a big fear of mine. Their penalty kill is usually pretty strong. But, like, this team's going to have to massacre at five-on-five. And they very well might. They have for some time. Although, yeah, the the decor worries me because that was, like, their relative strength for so long. It's kind of funny that it's switched. Yeah. Like, again, their decor worries me too. But, like, like it's not like Pittsburgh's decor is – off the charts. It's Chris Letang, like Brian Dumoulin, if he can stay healthy, and the boys. Like, Yeah. Pittsburgh's kind of like could have a competent decor. They just need to ice it properly. It's just I have no like, faith in icing it properly. Carolina will have a competent decor. I just don't think it's going to be elite like it has been in the past couple of years. Like, no. I think it goes from like a top, what, three probably it would has been for like three, four years, three years now probably, to like league average 15th yeah 12 12th maybe like yeah but like I, again I, I think their top nine anyways is like it could have the absolute potential to be top five or six in the league yeah it's definitely their their relative strength especially like if Spechnikov's like a 95 point player they assuming they don't get like 890 goaltending and they can at least get like 900 save percentages they can probably win the division if they have two legitimate superstars up front. Yes. Just because very few other teams do. Actually, yeah, no one they, else in this division, assuming that uh, because Sid and Malkin aren't starting the season. Exactly, right? So, I don't know. I, I think this team, they're still my favorites going in. I, I definitely worry. And, like, again, like, I think this team last year was a legit contender. I don't think they're – like, I think they took themselves very far out of that, at least for now, in terms of what they did this offseason. But regular season-wise, I, I feel like it's going to be one of those where they kind of chug along, mask up some issues. People go, oh, look, it's the, the Hurricanes. And then there's the potential to get absolutely exposed in the playoffs. But Yeah, they. Um, I think they were like a Toronto-Boston-Florida-level team last year. And I think I would project them for fifth in the Atlantic this year. Actually, I know yeah. I would pretty comfortably. Yeah, I would definitely have them uh, behind the top four in the Atlantic this year, too. Yeah, it looks like sportsbetting.ag has them in Pittsburgh uh, tied for second with Washington, a win behind them. And Washington and New York, just one win behind them. So really close. Yeah, and I think like, so for me, in terms of how I did this, I had Carolina, New York, Pittsburgh, Washington as the top four kind of competing. The, the four teams I could see more competing for the division title with the Rangers and Philly maybe more as a wild card. Not to say, like again, like 
Washington steps back and Pittsburgh just is done without Crosby and Malkin. Not the most unreasonable thing. One of New York or Philly definitely has a good chance to take a step up there. But yeah, I think to me, Carolina, New York, Pittsburgh, and Washington, the four I had just kind of very clumped together. Yeah. Like it's definitely just aggressively wide open. Should we talk yeah. about the Cockney and Miami thing? Yeah. So obviously we talked about it for Montreal last week and whether we thought it was right for Montreal and the, the Dvorak stuff as well. Um, this is interesting on the uh, Carolina side of things. Do you have a spot you want to talk about? Like, obviously he's not worth $6.1 million. I think this is ridiculous. Cause like, it reminds me of the way people talk about goaltending where they're like, Oh, he could be great. It's like, well, yeah, anyone with vaguely decent priors could be great, but He's shown nothing in the NHL to make us think that. Like, the word could carry so much weight in that sentence. He could, sure, but there are, like, tens of guys more likely to be great than him. Yeah, like, I don't know. I think, to me, the the big narrative coming up that I've listened to over the past couple years now is that – oh, this is how offer sheets are going to have to go. You have to offer sheet the second level of player because no one wants to give up four first-round picks. It's like, well, but yes, but player. the reason you have to do that is because most of the guys you're offer sheeting are, team, are guys that teams would absolutely take a first-round pick for if you just tried to trade it to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because, like, like, the second level of player to me refers to, like, William Nylander, not – Yes, Barry Cockett. Yeah, so like I think I mean maybe people mean more than like the third level of player, right? Because yeah. I think most teams would match on a William Nylander regardless of the cost, anyways. Unless obviously you're paying like nine million dollars or something like that, but no one would be off shooting that because it'd be like three or four first round picks. But yeah. I don't know. Like I just so, so the biggest thing to me, and, and you know the, the one thing I want to bring up because we've talked about. Maybe too much off air. It would have been a good discussion for on here too. But you tweeted the other night about how the narrative, the two narratives that go around from Cognami is that he had a good rookie season and nothing else, but also Montreal rushed him into the league too early and didn't develop him properly. How can both be true? And I, I thought there were some interesting takes that you got response on that tweet. And I, did, I think I'm very happy with the response to that tweet. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the ones that I kind of, am leaning towards is that the thing that he did really well in his first year was his defensive metrics. It's not like he absolutely lit the lamp and we know how noisy that can be. And it's a non-zero chance. He wasn't actually like great in his first year. Anyways, he was just, there was noisy defensive metrics and he got more lucky than anything else. Yeah. And that would be a legitimate concern for me because he has not done it since. Yeah. And like seasons. Or even come particularly close sense is the most concerning part. Yeah. And like, I, I do, I don't know. I go back and forth. So um, the PDO cast had a really good episode where they had uh, um, Berkshire was on there and he was explaining, you know, um, just the, the teammates they were playing with him with didn't really fit either. Like just the style of play of the guys he was playing with uh, didn't really work. Like it was a really good X's and O's breakdown. I definitely don't recommend listening to that. Um, you know, I, I'm not really sold that that is going to completely fix him going to Carolina and playing with new teammates by any means. Um, 
if you want to tell me, I guess there's probably something with the confidence because like they, I, I think even, you know, if you want to say the, the development, I don't know if they rushed him into the league. I don't know. Like that, I think that's a bit of a lazy narrative. It's a lot of time hindsight. Mostly just hindsight bias. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think their development of him in the second year was absolutely atrocious. In 2019-20, he had a bad stretch of two weeks and they said, go fuck off a little bit. Yes. And Which like, is fun. Yeah. Like a healthy scratching him because he played four or five bad games in a row and then sending him to the AHL. I, I don't think that is good development. So I, I do think there is something that maybe, I don't think he got rushed into the league, but I think definitely, especially after his first year, the development and just, you know, expectations of him were pretty uh, aggressive. Yes, that's 100% fair. I think the best take I've seen on it, because I have yet to watch the PDO cast, Jack Han, Han responded to my uh, tweet and said he was more so not bad than good. Low event, non-point producer who happened to be in the positives, which I think describes him pretty well. But, like, why would you spend $6 million on a guy whose peak thus far has been not bad but not good? Yeah, so this is the other thing, right, where it's like when we're talking about from Carolina's perspective and trying to project forward, like I, some people have tried to like also say that there might be a handshake deal where it's like they're going to sign like a three-year, $4 million per deal next, so it's not going to be the $6 million this is, but it's just like, A. His qualifying offer is at six mil. Yes, but like yeah. I think, yeah. So like the idea is that they would pay him twelve mil instead of six, right? And he would take a longer deal for less AAV. But a that would be giving up a lot of leverage if it's him. Now maybe he wants to do the team a solid because they did him a solid and are clearly overpaying him by like three to four mil this year. But B, I'm not sold. Kanyemi is a four million dollar player. Like, yeah, because that's the thing. I think he needs to be like twice as good as we've seen to be worth $6 million. Yes. Like I, if they had, like if he would have signed for 3.3, that would be the upper limit of like what I thought he was worth this year. Yeah. Cause remember we talked about the Fabry thing. It's like, Oh, well, if we presume he's still offensively talented and then his defense just regresses toward average, suddenly he's somewhere between worth it and a value contract which is yeah. a pretty plausible development path just to get a guy to not suck defensively, and then you're fine. Kotkin, the Emmy needs to take legitimate jumps just to be in this ballpark. Yeah, like, he's got to, like, actually – and, like, the weird thing is, too, it's like he's got to find offense. Yeah, because he either needs to win a Selkie and keep producing at a 30-point pace, or he needs to go from a 30-point pace to, like, a 60-point pace. Yeah, and like, I don't know, like I could see him being a 45-ish point player this year on a better team, you know, and he won't be playing center either. They're going to start him on the wing. But like, it's just a lot of money, especially because, so like, I, I think in a vacuum, I could have wrapped my head around this where it's like, if you were a team that had lots of cap space to spend anyways, and you wanted to take a bet on a guy like this, Maybe I could accept that, but this is a team that we just discussed didn't want to pay their 23-year-old goalie who had a Vesna caliber end of the season 
$3.5 million. And they also let their Norris level defenseman walk because they didn't want to give him a $3 million raise. Like, why is this the guy you start paying for? Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe you could argue Dougie Hamilton's age thing, but I would argue you're in your window. You need to be going for it now. Anyways, that I think you would have been way better spending the $6 million on giving Dougie Hamilton this $3 million raise because he was making $6 million before. It's not yep. like you would have been – and, like, granted, all that $6 million comes off the book, so maybe you can look at one-on-one. But, like, I would have much rather give Dougie Hamilton a $3 million raise and just Nadelkovich the $2 million raise that his $3 million contract was. Yeah, and you still have a little bit more cash space than what they did before. Well, like, I guess you do lose that Hamilton bit, but the, the marginal gain on Hamilton and uh, Nadelkovich works out to cheaper than caught Kenny Yemi. Yeah. And so like, that's the biggest thing for me is like, I, like, if this was a team, like say, it's a, let's say New Jersey did this, for example. And again, I, I would be a little more concerned with New Jersey just because of the first round pick aspect of it. That'd be a little yeah. bit different of a story. But if it was like a New Jersey roster where they do feel if like. Jersey could give up Carolina's first round pick to do this. Yeah. Like if it was a roster like that, where it's like, we feel confident, you know, we're going to get a, you know, we're going to take a real step forward here. And, you know, we have a ton of cap space to work with anyways. And, you know, we like Cockney as a player. I would be much more willing to accept that. Like, I, I still probably wouldn't love it, but I would be like, okay, like I can at least see an avenue forward here where it's like you want to develop this guy, you're going to help him. You know, you could see him being a top six winger. Maybe he's your third line center going forward. You have a strong one, two, three up the middle. But just like, I just, I don't know. I don't really get it from where Carolina is now going forward, the cap space of it all. Like, I just, it's kind of strange. Yeah, like he, he got more money and less responsibility as a reward for being bad somewhere else. Yeah, and like, so and the other aspect of it is, too, people, a lot of people are like, this was just a revenge play for Aho. No, they clearly wanted the player. You're not going to yep. go just get a guy for $6 million be like, to be like, ha, this proves you wrong is why you shouldn't offer sheet our guy. And, like, again, from the other standpoint of it, people were saying, well, this is why you shouldn't offer sheet because they're just going to revenge offer sheet you in a couple of years. It's like Montreal got a first and a second round pick for a guy that they probably could have been cutting ties with anyways. Yeah. In the outcomes, in the 10% of outcomes where Kotkaniemi becomes a star, yeah, Berge Van Lecht looks like an idiot. But, like, the median outcome at this point, given his aggressively mediocre NHL stint, is just you're laughing all the way to the bank with first and third round pick for this player instead of paying him $6 million. Yeah, and again, that doesn't include what they turned that big. Like, they went and tried for Dvorak, which, again, I don't really agree with. But, you know, just the offer sheet in a nutshell, like – yeah, I don't know. I, I think it'll be one of those classic cases where I do think Kakiyami is going to look a lot better this year because he's going to be sheltered playing with some solid players on the second or third line or whatever. But I just, there's probably other players you could have got for cheap to do the same thing. Exactly. Because at which point it's like, oh, wow, I bet Kakiyami can get elevated by better line mates. It's like, yeah, sure. Well, if those line mates are good enough to elevate Kakiyami, they can elevate someone else too. Yeah, like hell, even like they could, uh, I'm sure they could elevate Josh Levo to like 70% of what Cognami is for one sixth of the price, you know? Like, oh, yeah, I'm sure Levo could score 20 if you played him in the top six on the wing. I don't think he'd have amazing like play driving metrics, but just they could definitely get that out of him. 
Yeah, so I don't know. That, that's a good chunk in Carolina. I, I still think they're going to be a good team this year. I really do like their forward core, and even with Cognami. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that this offseason was scary for a long-term perspective and a contender perspective, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%. Another guy, Cash. I am far lower on Cash than a lot of people. He, he, yeah, like he never really took that last step that people just kind of assumed he would make over the last year or so. Yeah, because he was like a really high pick, and I believe he did really well in the AHL. But and he actually has point totals, but his like actual aggregate results are not. His play driving numbers are brutal, which is like impressive on Carolina because it's hard to have bad play driving numbers on Carolina. Exactly, dudes who score forty points in a shortened season on Carolina almost it's difficult to be like that and have as horrible play driving results as he has. Yeah. The one thing I will say with Nikaz is maybe like you don't worry about the play driving as much because you know they have so many guys that are good at them that they need guys to put the puck in the net. And like Jordan at least that's where yeah. The net or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, where it's like the invert of like a lot of the players that they have, or not a lot. Like they, they I think they've done a good job of actually getting scoring down lately, but like a lot of the guys definitely produce more expected goals than actual goals on this team. So like maybe it's a thing where you can deal with it and it's not as like, like it's not like um, Winnipeg where it's like Kyle Connor's actively hurting the team because you don't have anyone who can actually control play. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. That, that wouldn't make sense for him specifically. Also fun fact, another guy who looks like he's even at his peak is going to be a better XG guy than actual goals guys. Cuck in the end. Yes. Uh, yeah. I say that he's definitely one where it kind of fits the, the mold and also that Montreal mold too, which is kind of funny. Right. But um, yeah, that's enough talk about in Carolina. So you have them four. I have them one. Uh, you had Pittsburgh five. I had them three and you had New York five or sorry. You had New York three and I had New York five. So we have two teams to talk about the Islanders and the Capitals. Um, do you have the Capitals four or two? Two. Two. Right. Oh, sorry. And then you have the Islanders. One. One. Okay. So I have the Capitals fourth. Um I don't really feel good. I, I feel like I bet under on this team every year and they've just screwed me every single year. Like they're just perennial somehow top two in this division usually. Um, yeah. This is something I basically only do for the Capitals in the regular season specifically and take a reasonable forecast for them and add like seven points for no apparent reason other than the fact that they're the Capitals and this just kind of works out for them in the regular season. Yeah, like I, th- there's almost nothing to talk about with this team because this team has not been changed in like three years. Yeah, and there's a thing people talk about in football that's it's like predictive about line play continuity, like the amount of returning players from last year. I have no idea if that's meaningful in hockey, but I can't imagine it hurts assuming your team didn't suck. And the Washington Capitals are the kings of continuity. Yeah, that was a huge narrative heading into last year because there was, like, no preseason, extended offseason or whatever. And, like, I don't – like, it would be interesting to see if it would – it's tough because, like, some of it could just be luck too, right? But, like, people talked about it as a big thing in Ottawa. It's like, oh, look how many young players and new players they have on their blue line and four. It's like, well, yeah, the, but the, the reason Ottawa went 1-10-1 wasn't because – they were playing a bunch of new players. It was because their goaltending sucked nuts and they were playing Eric Goodbranson 22 minutes a night. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a they start to isolate for. Yeah. So like 
But yeah, I think you're right. It definitely can't hurt where it's like, maybe they can get an extra two or three of those random seven points at the first 10 games of the year, because, you know, they're clicking on all cylinders where it's like the pens are trying to survive without Crosby and Malkin, you know? Yeah. And like, cause the most bankable thing in this entire division by a country mile is the Washington Capitals power play. I believe. Yes. That, yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's a good point too. Um, that is then, the one thing where it's like, if this is bad, I will be shocked. Yes, that is the only thing. Like, even defense is noisy enough. If you told me the Islanders were like the 20th best defensive team in the league, be like crazier things have happened. The Washington's Capitals had like a below average power play next year. I'd be floored, assuming people are healthy. Yes, I, I agree with that. And their, their decor is it's fine. Like, I think it's probably average. Yeah, at five on five, it's probably a little below, but Carlson's such a power play freak that he's probably like, you know, 15th best in the league. Yeah, like on five on five, they kind of need Orlov to go back to peak Orlov for it to be like above average. Like he was fine last year. It wasn't an issue or anything, but like everyone else is just so meh. It's just kind of like, all right. So like you have Orlov Carlson and then Schultz, Jensen, Kempney, and TVR. Like it's just a fine group like they maybe lack a little bit on that the top three ish area but the depth is solid as well like there's not gonna any holes as you get down the, the lineup at least yeah exactly and for what it's worth Orlov gives off big like jake gardner vibes where he's like really hated by people because he does make hilariously stupid plays but like on aggregate his like play driving numbers and stuff still look really good yeah, exactly. So, um, and then the net, I, again, I think they have Samsonov, which really struggled last year. Uh, and then they trade for uh, Vanacek again from uh, the, the Kraken. Um, it's fine, I guess. Like, there's probably worse tandems. There definitely is worse tandems in this division and probably that you could have, so. Yeah, I would expect this tandem to be somewhere within error bars of league average. Kind of fine enough. Yeah, so I think this team will probably I, – I have them making the playoffs. Like, we can do our rundown of the East real quick after if you want, just like if we had to guess what happens. But, um, you know, I, I think they'll be in the playoffs, but I, I just – I don't know if they'll have home ice this year. But I say that every year, and they just cruise to home so, ice advantage in the first round. So Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, if I had the, the Rangers – Okay, so I have the Islanders, I guess I can say this way. I have the Islanders above the Capitals, and yet somehow I would still be more surprised if the Capitals missed the playoffs. Yes, I, I agree. I also I have the same thing. Like, I have the Islanders, too, in this division. But Yeah, it, and somehow yeah. the Caps just chug along in the regular season for whatever reason. Exactly. So, um, And that brings us to the last team. You have them one. I have them two. It's the New York Islanders. Uh, uh, took a big step last year in terms of definitely five on five as well. Like they actually looked good throughout the regular season last year in terms of like a play driving. They weren't like dominating teams. I don't think by any means, but it's not like, like two years ago, they were like bottom five in most metrics throughout the regular season. That wasn't the case last year. No, they were like legitimately good last year, which is they, weird to say. I'm looking up. Trying to Got find me. where they were. They were 20th in Corsi 4 percentage um, and above that in expected goals. They were 11th in expected goals. So yeah. classic Islanders, quality over quantity. Um, but like that re 
averages out to what, like 15th, I guess, in the league for, you know, expected goals in Corsi, where it's like they were just a fine yeah. team and given their system probably boost that a little more. And then they just kind of rely on some of their, you know, guys like Barzell really needs to step up and get it done, but they just kind of go by committee. I don't really have any belief that that'll change much this year, you know? Exactly. I hate this team. I'm pretty low on all of its players, but uh, this division's so mediocre. I, I, and they were good at five on five last year. This is another team. This has been true for every team in the that we've talked about other than Carolina because they have legitimate young studs and most of their team's value is concentrated in them. This team could also hit a cliff. Yeah, I, I do think – I think there's maybe – I'm getting to the point with how good of a coach Trot or like just how good of a system Trotz has where it's like, I think there is maybe a limit to how far you can fall off with this. But if the goal, like if goal scoring dries up at all, yeah, this team could go from like first or second in their division to like sixth real quick. Yes, exactly. I don't see them hitting a cliff in like Buffalo style or anything like that, but like, yeah, like if they missed the playoffs for like 10 points this year because like they couldn't re- replicate what Jordan Eberly brought last year or whatever, like that wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Although another thing with this team is with the, I think a lot of their upside comes from the fact that they've had amazing goaltending, but they've most, not entirely, but like they've manufactured a lot of it. Like, if Sorokin is a legitimate, like, Vesna guy behind this hilariously good defensive team, they are going to be a humongous pain in the ass. Yeah, and, like, that's why, you know, it's a big reason they've gone to back-to-back conference finals, I think, too, where it's just, like, you just – this team just needs to sneak into the playoffs, and then they have that high upside so far with the goaltending that we've seen in the past two years, and they're so good defensively that, like, when nothing gets called in the playoffs, they can just suck the life out of you. Yeah, so like, exactly. yeah, like I think the biggest thing I'm worried about is this team is like it's lost talent every offseason for the past like three years. Now, this year wasn't quite as aggressive. They lost Everly last year, but like last year they lost a legit top 10 defenseman, Devon Taves, or top 20, I guess. But like they added Zach Parise this year. I just don't think he's gonna have much to give. I think the biggest determination of if this team's like first or fourth or whatever is like, can Oliver Wallstrom and or Noah Dobson take a big step forward? Yes, that would be huge. And Wallstrom scoring a ton of goals would be, would be ridiculously big for this team. And I think it's possible, like very possible. Yeah. Like if he's playing on like Barcel's waiting for part of the year, or even just on like a third line or second line where it's like he doesn't have to take the heavy matchups, but he can just be the shooter on that line. Like, and I think getting Anders Lee back for a full year will help too, right? Like, literally, if they play him on the third or fourth line, but he's playing like top power play unit, just potting like 25 goals would be ridiculously helpful for this team. Yeah. Like, this is just, again, this is a team that I can never really see winning a Stanley Cup, but I can absolutely see them just being a good team all the way through and then making a conference final run because they just don't let anything up. But like, I just like this is the, you know how like in football right now, the biggest thing is like how the, the past couple of years of how can you build to beat the Patriots? And now it's kind of, how can you build to beat Kansas city kind of like Tampa Bay on the other side, but definitely Kansas city going forward. 
this team is just not built to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it feels like they're just destined to run into them year after year. Yeah, exactly. Like, I guess, like, so, like, you go, what are, what are your options? I guess you just hope someone else puts out the Lightning. Yeah, or you just <laughs> randomly lucky with Vasilevsky sucking. Sucking yeah. in series. But, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I do, I think this... Because for the I, way... I, go ahead. Like the way this team's constructed, you don't really have an option where you're better than the Lightning. <laughs> no, no, like you're not. Like the Toronto like Maple Leafs could go head to head for four games and be better than the Lightning. This team is not going to just outduel the Lightning. Yeah, exactly. Like Toronto's got the second best player on earth, quite plausibly. It's easy to outduel anyone in a small sample when you can say that, plus you have depth behind him. The Islanders are locked into a roster in which that is not an option yeah and like i will say i have grown on this roster i think it's gotten better over the past couple years but like it's just so like every player is just very mediocre and you can take that as a compliment or a criticism but there's just like everyone is not bad but they have very few really good players as well right like yeah, there's that lack of high-end talent. And uh, Yolo Pinato, Chris something, I forget his last name, the Yolo Pinato's his Twitter ad. He says this a lot about the Islanders, that there's not no talent on the team. We just don't think of defensive talent as actual talent, even though it is. And that is part of it, to be fair. Yes, it, this type of team has definitely got a bunch of very talented defensive forwards, which isn't A, exciting, and B, it's very hard to identify. So, especially if you're using an eye, like when people go by the eye test or whatever, quote unquote, like it's just hindsight bias for what they use for that. Um, yeah, so it's hard to identify, that. right? So yeah, you don't, they don't get as much credit as maybe they should, but. Yeah, and they're, they're good in all the least sustainable ways. Like betting on defense and goaltending repetitively in spite of offense is how to get hit in the face with regression one-on-one. It's just that they have somehow managed to buck the trend. Yeah, it's going to burn you eventually, even if it hasn't already. But, you know, um, whether that's this year or next year, like who who knows, right? It depends on what you're betting them on, too. Like, I don't think them making the playoffs is an unreasonable bet. But if you're like, they're a lock to win this division, it's like, all right, relax. Yeah, exactly. If you think they're going to be like elite, that's going to be tough. But if you think they're just going to be perfectly competent enough to win the division... Very plausible. Exactly. Um, all right. That's pretty good. I think that's on all eight teams. So I had, we both had Columbus last, New Jersey seventh, Philly sixth, and the Rangers fifth. Uh, I had, oh, sorry. Yeah. You had them. So I had the Rangers fifth, Capitals fourth, Penn's third, Islanders second, Carolina first. You had Penn's fifth, Carolina, Carolina fourth, Capitals third. No, Rangers third, Rangers Capitals. third, Capitals second, and then, yeah, Islanders first. Um, if you had to guess on how the East breaks down with wild cards, how do you go? I, I would probably go – I'm going to go Tampa, Toronto, Florida. Boston gets the first wild card. I'm going to get Washington the second wild card. I'll go Carolina, Islanders, Pittsburgh as the top three in the Metro. Okay, I'll do something similar, but I'm, I guess I'll have Carolina in the wild card in there with Florida. Okay, yeah. Um, Get here. 
That's what my guess would be. I, I think that second one, I think the first wild card's a lock for one of those top four Atlantic teams. Yeah, as much as it possibly can be going into the season. Like that's as big of a lock we've ever seen, I think. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think the, the second wild card will come down to the fourth and fifth team in the Metro, maybe the sixth team and the Canadians probably. Yeah. And even still, I like, I think the Canadians are going to struggle to even be in that race. Yeah. It really depends if they can take advantage of the weak teams in their division, I think. Yeah. And they're going to have to massacre them because as bad as those two teams are, if you're a league average team trying to make the playoffs, the last division I would pick is the Atlantic, which is kind of what Montreal is trying to do. Yeah, like they're basically going to have to, in their own division, they're going to have to just try and play close-ish to 500 hockey against the top four teams and just murder the bottom three. Yeah, like not give up any points. To and like, this is the team we're talking about that I think they went 500 against Ottawa last year. And two years ago, they went 0-4 to that Detroit team that won 12 games. That was like actively tanking. The the, the one of the maybe the worst team we've seen in the cap era. Like it's almost a shame that we didn't get to see 82 games to see if they actually would have been the worst. But yeah, exactly. And then, but on going in Montreal or uh, yeah, Montreal's favor, this Buffalo team is about to be one of the worst we've ever seen. So <laughs> yes, there is a good chance of that anyway. So um, we'll see. It'll be an interesting year. Uh, definitely two different divisions in the East, but should lead to a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Chase, do you have anything to plug this week? I don't think so. I I actually had a round of an article. You can find that last word on hockey.com. It's about why Michael Delzato should not be used in a defensive shutdown role, which uh, quotes coming out of early training camp suggest they might try him in Zaitsev as a pair in that. Uh, so you can read that at last word on hockey.com. You can find all my work uh, there um, and uh, milehighhockey.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will be back at you next week with uh, one of the Western divisions. 